Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Perringer. Well, I want to continue studying just what it is that we believe and um, using uh, creeds and confessions uh, to, to do that. Um, you know, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, the conflict that rages in Israel and now uh, with the Israelis, they're um, pushing forward their ground assault to continue to hunt, uh, for their hunt for the Hamas terrorists who brought that devastating attack against Israel and its people. There's still a lot of uh, people in custody uh, that, that they have. But you know, Netanyahu has been pressed and, and he has said he will not agree to a ceasefire. So. There, there definitely does not seem to be an end to the conflict uh, anytime soon. Um, and in fact, you know, there, there's, there's speculation whether or not uh, Hezbollah to the north is going to kind of join in and kind of push Israel to a two-front war. Um, but, you know, here, here you have enemies from, I mean, well, if you think literally enemies from biblical times, um, enemies that have just been fighting one another, you know, it almost seems impossible for there to be peace in the Middle East. It, it, it seems like it would be impossible for anyone to step in and, and bring peace uh, in the middle of this. Now we know in prior conflicts, there have been some folks who've been able to come into the middle of a conflict and, and, uh, and broker a peace with people, but I'll t- I tell you what, I don't know if there's anyone who has that kind of leverage in the Middle East and so this is a great conflict of, of enemies. And while this, what we're seeing right now is a great conflict of um, enemies, uh, there was e- an even greater conflict that began toward the beginning of time when mankind rebelled against their creator. When they rebelled against their creator, when they decided to say, no, we're not going to follow God's ways. We're going to do our own thing. I mean, they, in essence, set themselves at war with God. So who would bring about peace between God and humanity? Who would be able to complete such a feat? Who would be able to represent both of those parties, God and humanity, in bringing about a peace agreement? I mean, there's no other creature who would be able to do that, such a thing. So when humanity rebelled against God, did that leave humanity doomed? Thankfully, no. Because God himself would be the one to broker the peace between he and a rebellious humanity. And so in studying the important doctrines, um, we, we come to a, a, an important uh, study about the greatest subject that there is in the Bible, the subject of Jesus Christ and who Jesus is. And I want to, and specifically considering a, a, a work that he, had did, that he did in bringing about peace between man and God. Um, connected to your prayer sheet is a, a study sheet um, I'm going to look at some of the, the uh, paragraphs from the Second London Baptist Confession to kind of spur what our, our talk on, the, on this subject. But what 
uh, the, the, these paragraphs talk about is the fact that Jesus Christ is the only mediator who would be able to represent God and represent humanity in order to broker a peace between the two. And that's what was needed. And so the first paragraph uh, of this particular chapter says this, God was pleased in his eternal purpose to choose and ordain the Lord Jesus, his only begotten son, according to the covenant made between them to be the mediator between God and humanity. God chose him to be prophet, priest, and king, and to be head and savior of the church, the heir of all things, and judge of the world. From all eternity, God gave to the Son a people to be his offspring. In time, these people would be redeemed, called, justified, sanctified, and glorified by him. Now to me, I think it is so encouraging to hear the words that it pleased God to send a mediator. It pleased God to make a way of peace with humanity. God did not begrudgingly make a way to just tolerate humanity. He made a way of peace for humanity so that humanity could become his children. God lovingly opened a pathway of ceasefire, we could say, so that we could be at peace with him. In a plan that was decided in eternity past, within the Godhead, the Trinity made a plan of redemption, the way to make peace with mankind, knowing in eternity past that mankind would rebel against the Godhead. And the paragraph says that this, that this choice of sending a savior and sending a mediator was made by covenant between them. Now, some theologians describe this as the covenant of redemption where in eternity past, the persons of the Godhead had determined before the foundation of the world what role each would fulfill in redeeming a remnant of humanity. They had the, the Trinity, the Godhead had the plan in place. And this chapter emphasizes the role specifically of Jesus Christ. He is the mediator of the covenant between God and man. Now, uh, in the, the confession, it, it previously talks about mankind's need for a savior because of their sin. It talks about how God dealt with humanity throughout history through covenants. And uh, we come to this place of talking about Jesus Christ because it is through Jesus Christ that the final covenant, the eternal covenant was made with mankind, all who believe in Jesus Christ are saved for eternity, and Jesus Christ is the mediator of that covenant. He's the only one that could bring peace between God and humanity. Now, the word mediator, it refers to someone who comes between two parties in order to arbitrate and remove the enmity, the hostility between those two parties. And this is the role of Jesus. This is attested in Scripture. For example, Paul told us in 1 Timothy 2.5, For there is one God and there is one intermediary or mediator between God and humanity, that is Christ Jesus himself, human. You know, in the wars that happen between nations, and there's been wars since, I guess, the fight between Cain and Abel, if you want to call that, that a war, but, you know, both, both sides are human, and so a merely human mediator could probably broker peace between the nations and the tribes. But when there is such a gap between the nature and existence of beings such as God versus humanity, 
A mere human would not be able to get the job done. A mere human would not be able to bring peace between God and man. And so God needs to be represented, but man, humanity needs to be represented as well. And herein lies the great wonder and the mystery of Christ's nature and existence. Because to mediate for God, he had to be God. To mediate for man, he had to be man. And so it pleased God to send a mediator. Jesus Christ, who is God the Son, who became human so that he could make peace and end the hostility between humanity and God. I mean, really think about it. I mean, it, a, a war between God and man, there's no doubt who's gonna, who wins that. But God so loved that he wanted to make peace with humanity. And so we could say that with his two natures, Jesus Christ was able to represent the interests of both parties. He was able to appease the justice of a holy God against sin by his death on the cross. But he was able to represent man. He took, as a man, he took on sin. As God bore the eternal weight of sin, his wrath upon Christ on that cross. And now for those who are in Jesus Christ, we're given this wonderful word and promise in Romans 8.34. Who is the one who will condemn? If you're in Christ, you cannot be condemned. Christ is the one who died, and more than that, he was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also is interceding for us. Christ is the mediator. He is the intercessor. He is interceding for us, he's the only one to be, that's able to intercede as our mediator because his work is eternal. He intercedes to the Father for all of us for all of eternity. And herein lies our security. We are secure in Christ because for all of eternity, he intercedes on our behalf. His mediating work never ends. And so we will have peace with God for eternity if we are in Christ. Now, the paragraph that I read, it talks about this mediating work of Christ between God and man done, and it it describes it with three words. He does it as a prophet, he does it as a priest, and he does it as a king. The confession uh, doesn't expound on this until the last paragraph of this particular chapter, actually, which is paragraph 10 of chapter 8, and it summarizes it this way. The number and character of these offices is essential because we are ignorant. We need his prophetic office because we are alienated from God and imperfect in the best of our service. We need his priestly office to reconcile us and present us to God as acceptable because we are hostile and utterly unable to return to God and so that we can be rescued and made secure from our spiritual enemies. We need his kingly office to convince, subdue, draw, sustain, deliver and preserve us for his heavenly kingdom. So his being a mediator relied on him being a prophet to make God's will known to us, to make God's purposes known to us, to reveal God to us, to reveal God's righteousness, to reveal our sin, to reveal God's plan of redemption so that we would believe. Moses had told the people there would come this prophet one day. He said in Deuteronomy 18, 15, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. Jesus Christ is that prophet. 
He makes known God's ways. Because he himself is God. He is the ultimate revelation of God. And so God, John in his prologue, you know, says that he, he is the word and this word is God. And he says in John 1.18, no one has ever seen God, the only one himself God, who is in closest fellowship with the Father, or some translations will say who's in the bosom of the Father. He has made God known. He is a prophet. He makes God known. Jesus being the word of God not only speaks for God, he is the ultimate revelation of God to humanity. And so through him, God can be known by humanity as much as our finite minds can grasp at least. He's able to communicate and, and represent God's expectations to mankind. But not only is he prophet, Jesus Christ is also priest. Priest serves the priests would serve as mediators between humanity and God. They were the go-between between the people and God. And it was the priests who would offer sacrifices on behalf of the people year in and year out. But then you go to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews tells us how Jesus Christ, he is that priest. He's the ultimate high priest. For example, in Hebrews 5, verses 5 and 6, Christ did not glorify himself in becoming high priest, but he did become high priest. But the one who glorified him was God, who said to him, you are my son. Today I have fathered you, or I have begotten thee. As also in another place, God says, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Jesus is the ultimate high priest. He offered the sacrifice, but here's the interesting thing. Not only is he the priest, he's the sacrifice. And he offered himself to bring peace between man and God, the high priest who gave of himself. As Paul said in Colossians 1, verses 21 and 22, you were at one time strangers and enemies in your minds, as expressed through your evil deeds, but now he has reconciled you by his physical body through death to present you holy without blemish and blameless before him. He is priest. He is prophet, he is priest, but he is also king. He is the fulfillment of the promise and covenant given to David. He is the king that would reign forevermore. God had promised throughout the Old Testament he was going to set up a king that was going to rule and reign forever. For example, in Psalm 2.6, God says, I myself have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. We think of what the angel told Mary when she received the announcement that as a virgin she was going to give birth to the Savior of the world. She was told that in, in Luke 1 verses 32 and 33 that he will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will never end never end. All the earthly pre kings, queens, presidents, if they're not voted out, they eventually die, and their reign ends. Christ's reign never ends. He ascended to heaven. He took his place at the right hand of the Father. He sat on his throne, and he has reigned ever since. He rules and reigns, and as our king, he rescues us from the enemies of sin and death and he will reign over us forevermore. And because Jesus is our mediator as prophet, priest, and king, 
the first paragraph that I read from the confession says that he is the head and savior of the church, who is his chosen people. He is the head. He's the savior, he is the head. Paul said in Ephesians 1, verses 22 and 23, God put all things under Christ's feet and gave him to the church as head over all things. Now the church is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Jesus Christ rules and reigns over everything. He is the head over the church, but he is sovereign over all. But not only does it say that he is the head and savior of the church, it also says that he is the heir of everything. Everything belongs to him. All authority is given to him in heaven and on earth. The writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 1-2, in these last days, God has spoken to us in a son whom he appointed as heir of all things and through whom he created the world. In Psalm chapter two, after God said, I'm gonna put my king on my holy hill of Zion, he goes on to prophesy about this, this king. Well, the king actually talks about what God has said to him. In Psalm two, verses seven and eight, the king says, I'm going to announce the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. This very day I have become your father. Ask me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the ends of the earth as your personal property. And because he is mediator, prophet, priest, king, head, savior, heir, he is given power and authority to be the ultimate judge of all things and all people for all time. Paul told the Athenians in Acts 17, verse 31, he has set a day on which he is going to judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he designated. God is gonna, God is gonna judge by a man whom he designated. And he goes on to say, it's Christ. Having provided proof to everyone by raising him from the dead. God gave proof that this was gonna be the one to judge the world by raising him from the dead. This is Christ, our mediator, prophet, priest, king, head, savior, heir, judge. And because he took on this role as a mediator, we receive spiritual benefits of being the redeemed, the called, the justified, the sanctified, the glorified by him, in him, and through him. You know, Romans 8, I quoted that before, Romans 8, all about the fact that through Christ, if you're in Christ, you are not condemned. And all the, just the, the wonderful benefits in that come from that. But he says in Romans 8, verse 30, those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. He will bring his people to the sweet by and by where they will be glorified. And it's, it's spoken here as, a, as like a fact that is already true. It, it doesn't even say, I mean, that, that he will glorify them. It's like they're already glorified. That's just a given fact. If you're in Christ, I mean, it's just a given fact. You're glorified. You're, and you, you will see the fullness of the glory when you pass from this earth. But you are glorified. And so for the Christian, this role of Jesus as mediator ought to give us comfort because we are secure in his hands. 
This is a fact. If you, you know, that however you're going to interpret it, if you're predestined, you're called. If you're called, you're justified. If you're justified, you are glorified. And there ain't no doubt about it. So when we fail and falter, which we all do, Jesus does not stop interceding for us. Jesus doesn't stop being our mediator. Jesus doesn't throw up his hands and say, oh, how much longer do I got to put up with them? You know what? Forget it. Father, just forget it. I'm just going to... No. He always lives to intercede for his people. It's because we fail and falter that he continues to intercede for his people. He represents us before the Father, granting us mercy, grace, and, and forgiveness. If we ever feel downhearted because of our sin, we need to take comfort in knowing that once we belong to Jesus, he is forever our mediator. And we have peace with God forever and ever and ever. And so don't let your faults, now it's not like we don't want to be sanctified, you know, it's not like, well, you know, since, since he always mediates for us, I'm just going to live however. No, that's not how it works. Because we have this desire for holy living within us. But when we fail, we don't have to think that, oh, God's going to get me now, he's going to zap me, he's going to do whatever. Jesus ever lives to intercede on behalf of his people. We are secure in Christ. But if you have never trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior, if you've never trusted that he died, that he rose for you, if you've played the church game, if you have played the religion game, if you... I mean, if, you, if, if I were to ask you, what would you tell God if he asked you, why should I let you into heaven? If you say, because I go to church, if you say, because I'm a good person, if you say, because I follow the golden rule, if you say, because I give money to this, that, and the other thing, it's time to check yourself. Because that, that's not it at all. Why should I let you into my heaven? You shouldn't. But I have a Savior. Jesus died to pay for my sins. And I cling to him and him alone. And he is my mediator. Father, I, there's nothing else. I'm either in Christ and I have his righteousness before you, or I have no righteousness at all. If you do not have Jesus Christ, he is not your mediator, he's your judge. And you stand naked in front of the judge with no one pleading your, your case, nothing covering your sin. Without Christ, you're on your own. And you have no plea before God. Jesus brings you in front of him as your judge. What's gonna be your excuse? You have none. You have broken God's law. You have broken God's standard. You have sinned in front of a holy God. You have no plea. And you have no chance of making peace with God. 
God's going to be forever your enemy if you should die without Christ. And so I implore you, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ so he can be your mediator because he's the only one that's going to be able to bring peace between you and God. Who's going to bring peace in the Middle East? Well, I don't know. But I do know this. If the Israelis and the Palestinians both would find Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ would be able to make peace there. But who's going to make peace between your sinful soul and a holy, perfect God? It is only Jesus Christ. Only Him. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at kidsquest underscore HBC. Our student ministry is on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening, and God bless.